Hello, everybody. My name is Danny Grant. I am an artist, a drawing and painting instructor. I live in Austin, Texas, and I would like to welcome you back to the studio. This is the place where I interview and talk shop with other professional artists, and we get an inside glimpse into their daily lives as professional artists. This episode of the Studio Podcast is sponsored by the new Figurative Art Convention and Expo. Finally, there is a conference just for the figurative world. It includes hands-on workshops and demos from artists like Jacob Collins, Juliet Aristides, Daniel Graves, David LaFell, Max Ginsberg, Stephen Assail, Jeremy Lipking, Graydon Parrish, Sherry McGraw, Jordan Sokol, Cesar Santos, and John Coleman. That is one hell of a lineup. Um, plus, they have added in the track conference at the same time, all for one price. You can learn more about FACE at figurativeartconvention.com. My guest on this episode is artist Joseph Daly. Joseph is an artist I think we can all learn something from. Um, not only is he just a great artist, just a, a really excellent painter, um, he's really well organized also. And I think uh, he just has a clear idea of who he is as an artist and where his revenue is coming from. And uh, these aren't always the easiest things uh, to figure out. Um, anyway, we had a great conversation and here it is. Okay, I'm excited to have artist Joseph Daly on the phone with me from Vestal, New York. Joseph, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Danny. Um, I'm really excited about this. Um, so Vestal, New York, um, I was just up in Cortland, New York, visiting my buddy Todd Casey. Is that, are those cities close by? Yeah, it's it's relatively nearby. Okay. Vestal's basically just over the border from uh, Pennsylvania. So I'm like three, three and a half hours drive from either Philadelphia or New York City. Oh, interesting. And okay. People mostly know it if they're on their way to Syracuse or, or Ithaca. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Western, far Western? Uh, Midwestern. Mid okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my Northeastern uh, geography, not so hot. Um, okay, so I want to start with um, just talking about your uh, basic daily schedule. Um, any any habits, routines, um time that you wake up, how, how long do you spend in the studio, you know, all, all of the nitty-gritty details. Mm -hmm. I try to wake up uh, around 7 a.m. That's pretty hit or miss. But, and then I do a lot of reading in the morning, check emails, you know, this and that, breakfast, what, exercise. Um, and then I try and be... What do you like to read? Oh, um, mm. A little bit of everything. I start with emails and then see if there's any fires that I need to put out. Yeah, sure. And uh, then uh, there's a, a special book that I've been reading for years called In the Light of Truth, The Grail Message. And I try to read a little bit of that every morning. Okay, and, uh, awesome. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to uh, hear about that later. Sure. Um, spend some time on that. Um, okay, sorry. I cut you off. I just... Um, <laughs> no, I, no. I, you know, I've been listening back to... Um, whenever I listen back to my interviews, I'm... So many times I um, 
I just I hit myself and go, oh, why didn't I ask about that? Um, <laughs> so uh, sorry if I interrupt yeah, no, you a lot. No, that's, that's no, no stone unturned, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. There's a lot of interesting things. I think there's a there's just so many stories behind behind uh, things that we don't normally. Um, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm missing some things, so I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get better at that. Um, sure. Okay. Sorry. Uh, and so you get up, you have breakfast, uh, right. workout. What kind of what kind of workout do you do? Oh, uh, kettlebells usually. Oh, cool. um, you know, it's basically that you can do them the most in the smallest amount of space with with those. Yeah. I find so yeah. swing those around for a bit, uh, get myself uh, awake and and moving. Um, and then my day to day practice, you know, it, it depends on what I'm working on at the time, but I generally try to be in the studio by around nine 30 in the morning. Cool. Um, and if I'm working on a commissioned portrait, then that's, uh, mainly from photographs and, and studies that I've made. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's just me and, and the studio and there's, you know, there's no model or no flowers that are, are wilting. So, uh, right. you know, the time is mine, but. Uh, so I'll work through the morning. Um, my wife and I actually live in a guest house uh, on her parents' property, and her little brother still lives uh, at home. Oh, so the five of us will will all have lunch together, usually around one uh, thirty or something, and that's wow. like the big meal of the day that that grounds us all. So that's yeah, it's a pretty neat setup. Yeah, uh, it sounds sounds very nineteenth century. Or, it is in a way. It sounds yeah. very old. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'll work again through the afternoon, um, dinner, maybe around seven thirty, And, uh, you know, if I've timed everything just right, then I'll have, uh, finished up by then in the studio, but usually I'll have to come back, uh, after dinner for an hour or two or whatever, you know, sort of mm -hmm. finish the sentences that I'm on Yeah. Um, and then wash brushes and it's back to emails usually before bed. It's <laughs> okay. Emails are the tie that, that binds in this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but then, um, I don't know, if I'm working on a still life or a floral or something that's, uh, you know, much more time uh, sensitive. Uh, you know, actually, just last night, for example, I was up till 3.30 in the morning trying to finish this flower uh, oh. before it wilted. Yeah. Um, you know, so that can be... Uh, you know, it's, it's a different animal. And then if I'm working uh, plain air... Um, or with a model, you know, then that all, it's a totally different schedule. It's all based on the sun, you know, and whatever window I have to, uh, to work in. Sure. Sure. Uh, What's your fi favorite time of paint, favorite time to paint uh plein air? Oh, um, yeah, I usually like afternoon paintings the best because mm -hmm. you can sort of start in uh consistent light. And then as the sun starts to go down you can usually keep more or less the the effective light that you've been working on but then nice little things you know might start to happen that you can include without ruining the scene you know mm -hmm. like little of pink along the horizon or you know something like that yeah cool um i'm not so much of a, a sunrise painter because it, it to me the sunrise and the sunset are sort of the more magical times and uh you know if i start painting a uh, a sunrise I, I, i'm not fast at all so you know by the time i have anything down it's yeah. you know it's noon so right right it's a different world so how long <laughs> how long do you typically typically stay out for for a plein air session uh it, it depends you know if it's overcast i'll stay out really for as long as i can if it's full sun 
um, maybe maybe three hours, um, mm-hmm. maybe four. It, de- it depends how good the light is on the canvas a lot of times because if the light's bad, then I'll, I'll go back into the studio and just work from memory. But if the light on the canvas is good, maybe I'll just stay out. Even though the light on the scene is gone, I'm just working outside from, from memory uh, for as long as I can kind of ride that wave, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, that's, that's, that's cool. Um, let's, I want to talk about your career as a portrait artist. Um, and I was looking at your website and, mm-hmm. um, that's, it's an interesting story how you were kind of struggling and then, uh, caught, caught a break with the portrait of your, uh, uh, ex-father-in-law, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. A big break. <laughs> um, that, that's a, just a killer portrait by the way it's so good oh, thank you thank you so much um so yeah i guess i guess just tell us tell us about that and uh i, I like mm-hmm. the um i like the mention of the the time as a house painter did you did you have any other <laughs> uh any other interesting in between jobs like that uh, well actually when i was working as a house painter i was working three jobs at once i oh. was uh, because i couldn't get for a while I couldn't get full-time work with any of them but I, I was working as a house painter and then I was also assisting a muralist and decorative painter and um I was also working in um a friend of mine's uh, a friend of mine's parents have a, a, a wonderful um furniture gallery in Philadelphia the Calderwood gallery and uh, I was oh, in the cool. back room um you know pulling ripping uh, upholstery off of old uh you know, art, art deco uh, sofas and things wow. for a few months. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the the long story is, I I I think I'm pretty close to your age and had a similar thing where I I went to uh, art college. Uh, I majored in illustration uh, yeah. because you know that was the easiest way that, uh, or at the time, the only way I could see to get a relatively traditional. Um, uh, training in mm-hmm. just learning to paint what you see as you see it. Right. And uh, I was really fortunate um, in college to uh, click with one instructor, uh, Marvin Madelson, who had been a really successful illustrator, but had transitioned just a few years prior, um, pretty much to pa- painting uh, portraits full time. And it mm-hmm. was a, the perfect time to just kind of absorb his whole uh, approach. And, uh, you know, by the time I had graduated i was uh intending to make a career as a portrait painter oh okay cool um yeah and i was lucky to um really lucky that actually the the uh the calderwoods who own that furniture gallery i painted there um while i was still a senior in college just as a portfolio piece but hoping the whole time that her parents would would buy it and uh, and they and they did i, I was oh, so nice. gra- <laughs> so grateful for that yeah, yeah. so that's that started nice a, when that works out huh? oh it's fantastic um <laughs> nerve-wracking too because i was living in brooklyn at the time and i would bring this you know piece in every friday to my portfolio class it was you know something like 30 by 40 inches and i'm wow. carrying it on the subway yeah. and you know knowing that i'm hoping to sell it you know for you know a few thousand dollars if i'm lucky and yeah. uh, it, i actually got caught you know with the painting horizontal once so that it wouldn't come out of the subway oh, <laughs> doors oh, no. the doors closed on my arm and, and you know, but I, I made it out okay but it, it was an adventure Paint, painting made it out okay too i guess yeah yeah oh my gosh 
but anyway, that was the first of a you know a trickle of commissions that I um, then uh, I kind of shortly after moved uh, back home and was painting in my mom's uh, studio. And, um, you know, I would get a portrait commission here and there for a while. It was literally just like one after the other, like shortly after I finished the one, I would get another one and it was just enough to sustain me, but, uh, not Ooh. ultimately. So I yeah. had to find other work. And, um, basically while I was, you know, essentially r right before I started to work, uh, basically full-time with these three other jobs, I was using my last bit of time and money to paint this um, full-length, almost life-size portrait of my uh, then-fiancé's father. Mm -hmm. And thinking in the back of my head, you know, maybe this could get into the Portrait Society of America competition. Like, And uh, and it did, uh, miraculously. And it, um, it won Best of Show and pe the People's Choice Award at the conference. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, yeah, and then the uh, the keynote speaker that year happened to be um, Minnie Churchill, who's uh, Winston Churchill's, I think it's uh, great granddaughter-in-law. She was uh, had written a book about all of Winston Churchill's um, landscape paintings because apparently he was a prolific plein air painter, which I hadn't realized at the time. <laughs> uh, so she was the keynote speaker at the Portrait Society conference, and um, she uh we we hit it off I, I actually i think she really hit it off with my mother and uh, <laughs> a, a couple of weeks later nice i'm back up on a ladder outside and uh, i get a call wants uh me to she wants to fly me to england to paint a portrait of herself and her four adult children wow and uh, and that, that was that so I, I owe her and the portrait society you know much for uh, you know, essentially launching my career yeah and your mom, what a great salesperson. Yeah, no, my, mom, my mom's been fantastic. And actually, I'm just about to start a uh, mission for um, Lankanaw Hospital uh, near where I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And uh, the, the, the man who reached out to me um, <laughs> said that he, my mom had handed him a, a business card of mine at, at Marion Art Repro Center um, 10 years ago or so, and uh, he kept it all this time. And that, yeah, so my, my mom has been, uh, been my, my best, <laughs> That's awesome. I would say, over the yeah. years. Yeah, hey, man, it's, it's, uh, we need all the help we can get. That's awesome. Yeah, that um, <laughs> cool. Uh, are you still in, in contact with, um, I'm sorry, was it Minnie Churchill? Uh, yeah, not not for not for a couple years, but okay. um, I mean, are, are are commissions still flowing from that uh, contact? Every once in a while, I, I think the wave has mostly you know run, run its course. But yeah. um, for years, then I, I would paint uh, friends and other family members. Um, wow. I was in a sweet spot for a while where like my prices were lower, and also the exchange rate was very favorable for for them in England. Mm -hmm. So I, I painted a lot of uh, families where I would do like a head and shoulders portrait of each of the family members. Um, nice. Yeah. So um, you mentioned your prices were lower. So you've subsequently, I guess, gone up. Um, mm -hmm. How have you seen an effect? Um, uh, I guess. At, have you seen any effect on frequency of um commissions due to price or 
well, I definitely get less commissions than I used to, but I, I don't attribute that directly to, to price. I, uh, a lot of things happened once. Um, I actually had too many commissions around, you know, 2007, 2008, and uh, was it was really too much to handle and so i left the agencies that i was with at the time and raised my wow. prices and the you know um the housing crisis and the recession all kicked in at once so yeah. you know ev everything <laughs> everything changed uh, yeah and um oh wow i get less i get less commissions now than i used to but that's i'm happy about that because when i was when i had too much work racing to yeah. to finish a painting is just the worst feeling in the world right. and it it was really killing me especially um, i would imagine a, a a commission where you know i, I feel like on a commission i want to just i want to please so much more <laughs> oh definitely <laughs> yeah know? yeah um you know the so, paintings are already paid for and it already has a yeah, home and it's just yeah. you know it's all on you just to make what it needs to be but the the other thing also is those so all of my commission portraits are a long distance and uh i do a preliminary um head study from life but uh otherwise it's, it's mainly from photographs and when mm -hmm. i was working full-time from photographs just around the clock I, that that was just you know crazy making because you're you're just living yeah. in a false world and uh the yeah, I, work was uh, suffering uh, definitely for that. Yeah, that sounds like, um, I, I think for me, that would be the point where, where painting becomes not fun. Definitely. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. So uh, I guess long story short, I, I have less commissions now, but I spend more time on them, enjoy them more. And I also have time to, uh, do you know life painting and and gallery work um from as well so everything's in a much better balance now i think perfect yeah so uh, i guess the um you said before you left uh school of visual arts you decided that you wanted to be wanted to be a portrait artist um what did you go into the school wanting to be and um i guess what made me think of that question was um you said now that uh, you're getting less commissions, but your your prices are higher, and you can you can handle the commissions better, and you mm -hmm. also have time to do, um, you know, more you know painting from life and going outside. Um, right. So, let's see. Uh, my uh, it's like a question within a question here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, so. You you decide you want to go on into portrait, but is is the portrait thing for you right now kind of the bread and butter paying the bills like like it, if, it is if, it, if yeah. it's switched okay yeah for for, for a, a, a long time i've more or less regarded the gallery work that i do it's a, almost like a hobby you know it, it's it's mm -hmm. a, a good hobby and I, I am selling more paintings than um i used to but i i couldn't make a living uh doing that uh, as it stands yeah. you know hopefully that will uh uh, change over time but uh, no I primarily uh, earn a living through the commission portraits mm -hmm. um, but you you had asked when uh, uh, 
I guess what I went to school, what my yeah. intentions were going into art school, mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't know what they were. That yeah. um, so in the first place, my parents were both illustrators, and their um, their studio was in our house growing up. So I was uh, surrounded uh, by that, and oh, uh, cool. and they both had you know horror stories like like many of us do uh, <laughs> about trying to get a traditional education uh, in in painting. And it was worse for them, for sure, in, in the '60s than uh, it, it was for me. Yeah. Um, and so, but my whole mindset, you know, this. So, I went to SVA um, between what well, was 1999 and 2003. So, you know, 98, 99. That was like right before I would turn to the internet to find out anything. So yeah. I didn't know that right. you know, Jacob Collins <laughs> was doing what he was doing at, sure. at the time. You know, if I had known about Water Street, I, I probably would have went straight there. Yeah. But um, as it was, I, I only knew of illustration as essentially the, you know, holding this, you know, little, keeping this little candle uh, lit in uh, yep. as far as you know, traditional representational uh, painting mm-hmm. goes. And um, my dad was a member of the Society of Illustrators, and they would oh, have cool. a an annual student competition, which had a little, um, uh, what, what do you call it? There's a catalog of works that they would print, you know, a little magazine um, right, every right, year. Right, yeah. And and they would list, you know, not just the um, students who, who were in the college, but the, who their teachers were and what school they, I saw, you know, all these kids whose paintings I really admired had studied with this man named Marvin Madelson. And so I actually went to SVA thinking I need to you know, take classes with this guy, Marvin, yeah. Lattin, which is, which is, what I did. Um, I, so I went, you know, I majored in illustration. I, I guess I thought I would become an illustrator, but I didn't know what that, uh, meant at the time. And my, my dad, um, used to, to, to joke, like, you know, break his fingers when, <laughs> when you heard that that's what I wanted to do. Cause he was struggling, uh, you know, around oh, 1990, yeah. Yeah. the whole market just turned head because of photography and then um uh, digital photography and and digital artwork so you know all of his uh prior revenue streams sort of dried up and he found his way really nicely into uh illustrating children's books for the last 10 years of his life and he really enjoyed it but you know the but illustration by the time you know you and i were in school was not uh uh solid career choice than that it you know might have really wasn't I mean, I was excited by like um, concert posters from like the '60s mm-hmm. and things like that. And, yeah, um, yeah. You know, but that that wasn't happening at that time. I mean, no, not, no. not as a career. You know, you could do it for your for your buddies. You know, little yeah. garage band gig or something, but you weren't going to make a living doing that. It's that's all I no, and 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 all these like, movie poster montages and things, you know, like by the time I was in school, like other than Drew Struzan, I, I don't think anyone, uh, yeah, uh, I don't, who else was doing that anymore, you know? Well, yeah, no, he was the man. Um, mm-hmm. that's funny you mentioned Drew Struzan. Um, when I was uh just out of high school, I went to took a couple of art college art classes at the uh, local community college. Was was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, and, and that was kind of the place where I, I, I liked to draw as a kid, um, you know, mm-hmm. but I never thought of it as a career. And that was, that was kind of the place where I started thinking about it as a career. But anyway, one of our, um, 
assignments was to um, uh, choose an artist that we liked and uh, interview them. And um, <laughs> I, I, I chose Drew Struzan. And um, oh, that's cool. <laughs> looked, looked online. Um, I think it was, uh, do you remember this website called, I think it was called The I Spot? Ah, that doesn't ring a bell now. Um, a name might be wrong, but that, that's what's mm -hmm. in my head. But anyway, it was just a, 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 a website that just had all of these, you know, illustrators working and the, um, uh, you know, who was representing them and uh, all this and just information about them. And Drew Struzan's page had his phone number on it. So I called Drew mm -hmm. Struzan. Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. His wife picks up and, <laughs> and he's like, Drew, somebody wants to talk to you. Um, <clears throat> so Drew Struzan gets on the phone and I go through this. Uh, the teacher had kind of given us these questions. I had no idea what to ask him. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so the last question was something like, you know, what kind of advice would you give somebody going into this field? And he said, don't do it. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, and that was that time that was, uh, right. Right. You know, probably 98 or something, mm -hmm. 97, 98. Um, he just said, don't, he was so beat down. He just mm -hmm. said, don't do it. And he was like, everything's going digital. And, you know, I show up, uh, I show up to the clients with, with a painting and they just look at me like, what's this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, it's, uh, it's tough. <laughs> Yeah, it was really um, just yeah. the, the the beat down in his voice was was just really uh, palpable. <laughs> for, uh, yeah, I, I, I can imagine. And my my uh, my parents were were pretty beat down for a while too. I think. Um, I, I guess the illustration market has sort of reemerged again digitally in a way. But, oh yeah, uh, but yeah. it's just a, a a totally different world now from you know what what interests me in painting. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But I had, I had always, um, enjoyed painting faces, uh, or, or drawing faces that, you know, they, they interested me the, the most uh, of anything. And mm -hmm. I, when I was, was little, I would just, um, copy, you know, comic strips and things like I, I was, uh, I could draw Snoopy, you know, <laughs> cool. inside and out. But then yeah. in, in 10th grade, I had a fantastic, uh, our teacher in high school who um, just uh, the whole year was, was just black and white, it most, mostly just pencil on, uh, on white paper. And we started by drawing a white box on a white piece of paper, you know, and all just in, in tonal mm -hmm. values. And then the next week it was, uh, I think an egg on a white piece of paper and then a white cylinder on a white piece of paper. And anyway, all leading up to finally at the end of the, the year, drawing a, a self portrait, and wow, uh, that, awesome. that self-portrait, was, which is actually on, on my website. Um, I uh, saw that, yeah. Yeah, so th that was essentially my, you know, breakout you know, <laughs> piece, you know, that sort of, I, I think after that it was it was clear to me that, like, th that I wanted to be an artist. So, uh, you know, my whole path has been grounded in a way in portraiture uh, for, from the beginning. And yeah. uh, when I met up with Marvin uh, at SVA, um it was a, a perfect fit that's cool that's cool um yeah he's he's uh i don't really know much about him but um you know a lot of people mention him as uh as being a a great teacher and mentor 
Yeah, he's he's a fantastic explainer. Um, he, like he can explain things in in terms of three dimensionality uh, better than uh, anyone I've met. And and he used to take us uh, um, every semester. He would take his uh, classes on a uh, a tour of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Um, and you know it was like a like a six hour tour where he would take us or longer. He would take us essentially to every almost every realistically painted head in the museum <laughs> and explain just you know three dimension in terms of three dimensionality it, it wasn't as it were but just uh you know the nuts and bolts of uh, making a dimensional surface look three-dimensional yeah wow that's great um i want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your website so um <laughs> you know as i was studying your website um and preparing for this interview um one thing that just like really stood out is it just looks great it's like one of the it's definitely one of the better artist websites i've seen it's so clear and just everything's organized so well um it's it's so it's it's so heartwarming to hear you say that because <laughs> it's really been it's been like this little frustrating child that I've uh, been nurturing over the years. Uh, so did you? Are you the man behind the work on the website? Yeah, I, I am for, uh, for a long wow. time now. I so when I was when I was at SVA, actually, most of my friends were um, either in the animation department or digital art or you know other things other than illustration. And so one of my friends at the time, uh, who was, a, I think, a computer art major, put the website together for me in the first place, mm -hmm. uh, which was, you know, then, uh, you know, by two or three years later, um, we were hardly in contact, you know, anymore. I didn't live um, in the city anymore. And uh, I, I figured I, I need to learn how to take control of this thing. And luckily at the time, Web design was uh, so much simpler then, um, and I was, you know, able to learn just enough to cobble this thing together. And then I've sort of grown with it over the years. And uh, yeah, it's like my little baby. <laughs> cool. Yeah. No. I. I mean, congratulations. It's. <laughs> it looks. It looks great. You know, one thing that that. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> one thing I've thought about with websites is just the. The, the white background just feels so nice mm -hmm. and, and clean and inviting. I have like a, I think I have a gray background on mine and it, and I like it for like presenting the paintings, but um, there's something mm -hmm. about that white background that um, it just feels so nice and clean. I don't yeah. Know. Thank you. I, for, <laughs> I mean, for a long, t for a long time, my website had a, a black background, which I thought would oh, okay. be the, the, the best thing, you know, yeah. for the images to show right. up well. And then there was one iteration of it where um, I had been doing a lot of uh, that. I, I call them sepia paintings, but it's essentially raw umber uh, wash paintings. And uh, I had a, a few of of leaves that I had kind of super, you know, along the header at the top. So it was like these faded leaves. And then one day I looked at it, and it was just like these white letters on black with these, you know, faded brown leaves mm. that yeah. I thought was nice. But one day I looked at it and it just looked sort of, you know, ghostly or spooky to me. <laughs> and I, I wanted a clean, fresh start. And it, it's been white ever since. Cool. <laughs> so I'm glad you, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, 
It's definitely the the website. I'm sure uh, my wife wishes I had because she's <laughs> constantly um, <laughs> telling me, you know, to uh, put more information, make it, you know, she's got a lot of suggestions, and I just, I just, I just really don't like spending time on on that. But um, yeah. Well, web, I mean, web design just gets more and more complicated every year, and I, I, I don't think I would recommend anyone to just well, yeah. you know dive, dive into it. But if anyone needs a website, it's, I think Squarespace gets better uh, and easier uh, to to just. Uh, I don't know if you've you've heard about them, but I'm I'm seeing more and more yeah. artists using well, them. Yeah, that's that's actually uh, what I use. Um, yeah, and. Um, it's good, but you know, with with a lot of those, you only have so many options. But which which is fine because I don't really right. know what I'm doing with it anyway. But um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, everything outside of painting, I just kind of wish I, I had an assistant for that, and hopefully one day that'll happen. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I mean, I, that's I hear every you. artist. We just we just want to sit and paint mm. and absolutely not talk to anybody and. Um, <laughs> um okay uh, another thing i i uh, noticed on your website you have uh you have a tab for available for purchase work um right and so i just wanted to ask you if you're you're selling directly and how that's going um yeah i'll start uh, with that yeah i i do i do sell directly but but hardly ever i i really i i wouldn't say that i have a anything like a client base you know um yeah. the the paintings that i sell directly out of my studio are, are mostly to to friends and family um and things like that uh, I, I think i've sold one drawing um just through my website uh cold and and that was from someone who was also named joseph daly and had googled <laughs> his name uh and found me that way <laughs> how funny yeah, so so I you know I'm not doing a, a booming business uh, okay. through my own channels by any means, and I, I don't have a big following on uh, Instagram or, or Facebook. Um, it's it's growing slowly, but um, uh, I'm I'm not seeing sales uh, through yeah. those channels. Okay. Um, the other the other question that occurred to me, um, um, I also noticed that you so you are working with a couple of galleries, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and do they, have they given you any, oh, and maybe they don't know about it, but um, it's always been something mm. um, that I've heard uh, is a conflict if you're, you know, trying to sell directly and also selling through galleries. Has that been any kind of an issue for you? No, not, not really. Mm. I mean, the, the main thing is just that you, you don't want to undercut the galleries, uh, in, in terms of, uh, price. Right. Um, but you know, I've, I've, I, I have, I've sold, uh, a few paintings over the years, you know, to, to family and that, and in those cases, I think, you know, all bets are off. It's kind of a different relationship. Right. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm not selling a ton of paintings, um, you know, through, through my studio. So it's, there's, there's not a big conflict there. Right. Right. Um, okay. Uh, framing. So, mm. um, I, I did see, uh, on Instagram, I think, um, maybe Facebook, some pictures of you, um, 
in uh, what looked like a uh, a fairly good size uh, uh, framing studio. Um, yeah, doing yeah. Some of that. So, so how? Yeah, I mean, I mean, are you? How much time do you spend on that? Are you making your own frames? How did you get into that? All that stuff. Yeah, well, I was, I'm sort of working it all out as I go. But um, I, I was saying before, um, you know, so my wife and I live on the same property as her her parents, and her father is a uh, a builder. Um, it, he essentially does um, construction work of, of he does everything except electrical work, really. But at heart, he's a woodworker. Cool. Um, so the photo you're talking about was in his uh, shop which is right around the corner from um, my studio space. And um, I, let me see, I think in 2009, I had a, a solo show um, here in Binghamton, which is the you know, closest uh, city to Vestal where I live. Mm -hmm. And um, John, my, uh, my father-in-law did, uh, he made all the frames for that show and it, it was fantastic. Um, wow. And they, they were really neat because they were, um, he, he has a, a machine that he can mill, um, custom profiles with, uh, in his shop. Oh, wow. So that the frames weren't, the frames weren't hand carved or anything, but they were all, he would pick out the specific, uh, type of, of wood for each painting. And, you know, like this one will be cherry, this one will be walnut, you know, this one will be curly maple, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so they were, you know, custom finished and chosen for the paintings. And that, that was just amazing. But his shop um, over the years has always been full with, you know, his own uh, projects. And framing is a, a pretty specific and precise kind of a thing. Um, so it never fit too well into his schedule. But a few years ago, um, we milled out uh, a whole bunch of uh, uh, profiles. And they've, they've just been in his uh, shop, you know, these long pieces of, of wood. Mm -hmm. And uh, in February, I... I made a, a batch of frames just to see how it would feel if, if I made them myself, um, yeah. you know, cutting and gluing and uh, painting and gold leafing them. And it, it went really well. Um, it's, it's time consuming, so I don't know what I'm going yeah. to do, but, but framing is just kind of a perpetual struggle because it's so hard to find something that looks good yeah. that, that doesn't cost a, a fortune. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm really happy with what, I was able to to put together, so I'm sure I'll try and keep doing that for um, as as much as I can. You know, if I can afford the time, uh, it's it's fun work and a nice nice break from painting for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think that's typical of of uh, painters um, to enjoy that kind of work mm -hmm. too, because um, you know it's 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 artistic in its own way, um, and um, yeah, and if, general, you know, if you yeah. if you if you enjoy stretching, uh, you know, putting together stretcher bars and stretching on canvas <laughs> and that sort of thing, you'll you'll enjoy framing. You know? <laughs> right. Um, that you mentioned uh, time consuming. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, mm. So how long, how long do you would you spend on say a typical frame? Um, and I guess where I'm going with this is. Mm -hmm. um, is is it enough of a cost savings um, versus the time that goes in? You know, basically, is it worth it? Um, I th I think it's not quite worth it just purely on on cost. But mm -hmm. uh, let me see. So I in February I did a batch of twelve frames, and I think 
but um, in the end, it, it worked out to like a frame a day, something something like that. If, if okay. they're like if they're like ten hour days, uh, mm. something you know wow. a, along those lines. It would take longer though if you know if I wasn't doing them in a batch. Um, so I see. I I don't know. I've for um for the past couple of years i've also really enjoyed doing these little quick um floral studies i've done mm -hmm. a lot that are just like six by nine inches and those for those i just buy little um thin black you know metal sectional frames and i, I think that that's all they need you know oh, okay. but for, for something more substantial um i i like well i like the frames that i've been able to make uh, a lot more than what i could buy for for near that that price range, I guess. Yeah. So well, it, it works out and it doesn't work out depending on how you look at it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, you know, in that case, it sounds, sounds like it's worth it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you're happy with what you're getting and, and, uh, yeah. Um, and just, and just to be, a, you know, to be, have your hands on the, you know, your work just from start to finish is a, a, a special thing. Yeah. And then, and then the whole piece becomes, uh, you know, something you created. That's kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. Rather than something you just um, you picked because it was the best out of a group, <laughs> not necessarily. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Well, I have eight. I have these eight to choose from. That one I hate the least. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a frustrating feeling. Yeah. Um, and and gold leafing is fun. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but I haven't. That's a fun process. Cool. Um, it looks. It looks very delicate and possibly frustrating, but it's fun, it, huh? <laughs> it, it it is, but it's it's also sort of one of those things where the mistakes you make just mm -hmm. make it look interesting or antique. <laughs> you oh, know? okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, you you you, you kind of can't lose <laughs> in a, in a way. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, as long as you're patient enough to see it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I so I was holding this. Uh, frame that I have the other day and I had a painting in one hand and I was like I was trying to I was talking to my wife about something that had to do with this frame and this painting and I dropped the frame um on my concrete floor oh, um, no. <laughs> it's mostly okay but uh paint chipped off you know in mm -hmm. places so I wanted to ask you what's the best paint it's a black frame is there like what kind of paint do you buy for that uh, well, to, for the like, ones that I just touch that up. Yeah, th that's that. I wouldn't know what to say offhand. I've okay. I've just been using uh, honestly just black rust-oleum for the the last batch that I did. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, it's nothing, nothing, nothing fancy at all. Okay. Um, there's, uh, I mean, depending on how big, if, if it's a if it's a real small chip, you can get away with. Um, you know, like a black magic marker even, but if it's a, hmm. if it's more substantial, um, you might just want to sand it out and then repaint the entire black area. I, okay. I've done things, um, over the years, like, um, buy a, a gold or a silver frame and then paint it black over top of that, you know, hmm. for example, right up to the rim. So just the inside rim is gold or silver. And then the rest right. of the frame is black. Um, so I don't, you know, it's hard to say without seeing the frame, but yeah, if it's sure. a yeah, serious I area. Know, I, didn't, I just didn't know how, 
what what that paint was that that that's using that that they're using on frames. Yeah, um, I'm sure. If you buy um, you know a custom carved and hand finished frame, they're they're not using rust oleum, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not that fancy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, on the gold frames that you would buy and then paint black, is is that black mm -hmm. rust oleum that you're painting on there? Um, it 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 probably was. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, um, hmm. I can't, I'm trying to think of something useful to say about it all, but I, I really don't have too much experience with the whole thing. You know, I'm just oh, okay. finding my, my way with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so let's see. So you do some teaching, um, mm -hmm. and you have private students, is that correct? Uh, here and here and there. Um, okay. It's, it's. It kind of come not something yeah, it, yeah it's not something that i really go out of my way to encourage because my studio space is so tiny that um if i have a student right in there then that's that's all that's happening there so when i teach private lessons i sort of treat them like mini one-on-one -on -one workshops you know like mm -hmm. i'll have the student in for the whole day or for several days in a row and we'll set up our easels right next to each other and uh and and paint together um but yeah, cool. it's 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 not a high volume of of lessons because I, I just don't have the room for it. Right, right. Um, and uh, workshops, you have anything scheduled coming up? Uh, I I do. I have a workshop coming up in June in uh, California at the uh, Numu Studio at um, the oh, New cool. Museum in, in Los Gatos. Yeah, oh, and Los spots Gatos. are spots are still available. So. Oh, cool. um, if anyone's interested, you know, you go to my website and you'll find a link. Okay. Um, JQDaily.com. JQDaily.com. And it's daily like the daily news. Okay. D-A-I-L-Y. Um, who, so who's that group? Say, say that again. Uh, it's, the, it's at the New Museum in New Los Museum. Gatos. It's called the Numu Studio. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Gabriel Koch runs it, and uh, he he just found me through Facebook. It was uh, cool. One of those fun Facebook connections. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, that that's cool. You you may have just mentioned it, and and I missed it. Is it a, a portrait workshop? It is. It's a, f a five day portrait workshop. So okay. it's um, I'll start. I'll. Let me see. We'll we'll spend the first day um, working just in umber, doing an umber underpainting, and then uh, work over it in layers. Basically, I'll, I'll demonstrate in the mornings, and then the students will all paint in the afternoons. Cool. Um, like six six hours. Yeah, some something like that. Uh, probably six hours a day. Six six plus uh, an hour lunch break in in the middle. Okay. Uh, I really love the the workshop format because I can uh, like. Uh, how do I say this? I I would have a hard time. Uh, I would be scared of the responsibility of trying to teach a student how to paint just from from the the ground up because mm -hmm. I've seen successful paintings made in every different conceivable way. You know, just oh, yeah. like for yeah. example, I I <laughs> tend to work from the outside in. And I've seen people start, you know, a portrait just working on the eye and then moving out from there, for example. And then all so the... You, you, say, know. you say outside in. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Oh, like if I'm painting a portrait, I'll, I'll generally 
tend to paint the background first okay, or okay. block in or you know block in the mass of the hair or you know if, if the person has no hair i'll block in the background around the shape okay. of their head and then gotcha. you know the expression is like the last thing that i uh, get to okay um and i uh, tend to do that with um, almost everything whereas like the background is usually like the i'll, I'll go for the largest easiest shape that i can identify and mm -hmm. uh work in from there is um, that a uh, is that a marvin madelson thing um, it, it is, he, he worked that way, but that's, I think that that's been in me from, you know, uh, from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and everybody seems to have their own tendency and, you know, so what I was, uh, saying is that it's, that makes it hard to know what to tell other people to do. But when I'm leading a workshop, then it, I essentially just treat it like this is a tour of how I work mm -hmm. and how I think and why, and you know, you can all take from it, uh, what you, what you can and, and go your right. own way. And hopefully we're all, you know, the richer, uh, for it. Yeah. Have you, uh, <laughs> when I've been in workshops, um, mm -hmm. one thing I noticed is that, um, sometimes you have a lot of students who, even though they're in this workshop learning from this particular person, will continue to just do their own thing. Mm. Is, is that something you've experienced or? Yeah, that's, and it's, it's not something that, that would, would bother me because it's, uh, it, it's because le leading a workshop like that is, it's such a different thing from having a regular class or, you know, being responsible for someone's whole education through a four-year program or something like that right um you know i would feel like i would have to be much stricter with everyone if mm -hmm. uh you know if, if if it was something like that but you know a workshop is really just uh you know i, I don't know I, I think that's that's my um that's the greatest challenge i see in in teaching is you know what does you know, like what you were just describing, what, what that person might be doing might actually be best for them. You know, it's, it's hard for me to know what's really best for the, for the individual. That's true. But I, but yeah. I am quite good at explaining what I do and why. Right. And so, uh, you know, people can take, uh, take that for what it's worth to them. Yeah. So in that case, you kind of just let them do their thing and, uh, help out where you can, I guess. Yeah, and I usually say things like, you know, bring whatever brushes or paints you're comfortable with, but, mm -hmm. you know, this is what I use and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, um, I hope this is interesting, but I have this question. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, um, is there anything in particular that's, um, you know, just working well for you? right now um and that could be anything that has anything you know in inside the art making process um and, and then the opposite of that is there anything that you're particularly uh struggling with in your work right now right um well i guess my i would say that my relationship to photography has been my uh, biggest perpetual struggle in painting and mm -hmm. that's also um uh, I think I have a better relationship with it now than I ever have before. So, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy about that. Uh, we talked a little bit about that when I was painting portraits full time and just yeah. feeling trapped, trapped in the photographs. Um, and were those photographs that you're taking yourself or were they providing those to you? 
Um, no, there, I, I, I always take them myself, except in, you know, if I've done a couple, uh, posthumous portraits over the years. And, uh, I think there was one where I was, um, I was sent reference photos and, uh, I, I liked it enough. I liked them enough to, to use them. But for the most part, I insist on taking the photos myself, mm-hmm. um, so that I have a direct, you know, experience with the, yeah, uh, yeah sure. the subject. Um, and yeah, so, uh, what, what can I say about it? it it's, uh, <laughs> you know, photography is just it, it, the biggest blessing and curse that we face both yeah. in, in terms of, uh, creating work and also sharing it, you know, because some, oh, uh, yeah. you know, you, you and you and I wouldn't ha- have met without seeing each other's digital photos. Um, That's true, but, yeah. I, but I don't, but I don't think you've seen any of my paintings, uh, no. actually. Right. Yeah. And I, I haven't seen any of yours. Yeah. Um, so you know it's uh, beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah, yeah, um, it's such a paradox. <laughs> yeah, it's such a paradox. Um, you know, so um, picture making is something that I was never taught. You know, in the end, in school, and and I don't see too much education even now um, uh, yeah. out there. And yeah. it, so you know, I feel like I can paint anything uh, that will sit still in front of me for long enough for me to paint it but right. you know how do you uh how do you do something you know beyond mm-hmm. inanimate objects or or very patient models you know sitting in a controlled studio environment and so you know how and when and where to supplement with photography and you know what the limitations are and mm-hmm. you know how to um how to feel okay with, um, you know, the commission portraits that I do, uh, because every, every, uh, painting that I've ever done where I've had to lean heavily on photography, I, I see, um, you know, traces of that to a greater or lesser extent in the painting and that, and mm-hmm. always to its, its detriment, you know, yeah. but at the same time, um, you know, like I said, all of my commissions are, are long distance. And so I've, um, uh, no one would sit for me for, for three weeks, you know, that, right. that, that took to make the painting. And I wouldn't want to travel and stay with someone, you know, for, for that amount of time yeah. either. Yeah. Um, and, but so, but for whatever reason, I, I, I feel like it's, it's working, uh, better and better recently. And that, that's, uh, cool. That's really wonderful to see. Yeah. That, yeah, that's great. I mean, um, and and then especially as the um, the cell phone photos, the cameras get better and better. Um, you know, the my my iPhone has been so helpful. You know, just like snapping shots of whatever I'm working on along the way, so that you know, like if I'm painting a mm-hmm. a still life uh, with with flowers, and if it takes me three days, and by the third day the blossom that I haven't gotten to has wilted a little bit, you know, I'll set my laptop up next to the still life and I'm still, it hasn't, you know, broken me out of the, uh, the life painting feeling, but the, you know, the, the photograph will just give me that little bit of, um, information that I've missed along the way to help me carry the, the painting through, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If nothing else for, um, 
uh, for drawing, I would imagine just getting just getting the, the 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 flower back in the position. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, well, thanks. That's a great great answer to my uh, to my new um, <laughs> amb ambiguous question. That's um, a good question. <laughs> you actually we, we, during our our little pre-show talk you had mentioned varnish bubbling up um that's oh, that, that's yeah. a perpetual problem for me too yeah, and i, I was yeah. curious if you've found any solution because it's been happening to me more and more often recently really? and I, don't, I don't know why yeah. um i mean i have found a solution it's not um it's not a fun solution but <laughs> you know it's it's i don't i have no idea what you know, you have no idea what you have uh, sometimes before you varnish. Right. Um, you know, with paint sink sinking in in areas or, um, you know, and, and I forget some sometimes what areas I've 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 worked more layers on or things right. like that. Right. Um, so actually, this is something that I, I learned from uh, Doug Flint. Um was just taking and it's a horrifying idea uh but <laughs> but it's okay it works um <laughs> you just take uh you know get a like a lint-free uh towel or something i use just uh an old white t-shirt um mm -hmm. and just put a little bit of uh, uh gamsol on it or you know mineral spirits whatever you're using mm -hmm. um and and just rub it over the painting to kind of um I don't really know what the science is, but I, I think it just kind of gives gives the surface a little bit more of a, a tooth to grab the right, to right. grab the varnish, and so you don't have the the slick areas where maybe you used more oil. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's what's causing the beating is just the the oil, you know, sitting on top of the surface. Um, right, right. So. Um, yeah, rub rubbing it with thinners, that's the best I've come up with, too, pretty yeah. much. It's not a fun solution, though. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's, um, you know, every time you do that and you look at the, the, the towel and you have paint residue on it, it's right. It's just... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, um, it's that, that sinking feeling in your stomach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, just, uh, you know, you just spend so much time working on this painting and getting everything just right. And then the, the idea of picking up paint at the end is just... Um, but it, it, it works out okay. Um, you just, yeah, you don't want to rub. It's just a light, a light, a light touch over the painting. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> but even after doing that, I found, you know... Um, you know, maybe an area I missed or I didn't, I didn't quite rub enough, uh, mm -hmm. and then I'll mm -hmm. get bubbling and then, and then I'll have to, you know, just get the Gamsol, wipe all of the varnish off and go over that area again and, and do it again. So, right. Right. Well, what I, I have found actually that I'll, I'll take a little bit of Gamsol on a, on a rag after I've varnish the painting you know while it's still wet and it's beating up i'll mm. rub the gamsol into that spot and then uh brush the varnish back over it and that's that's worked pretty well for me okay uh, but but sometimes it takes you know doing that a number of times so you're just like babysitting the the painting for yeah. you know you yeah. expected it to take 10 minutes and it takes right. you two hours to varnish your painting yeah it becomes uh, becomes a real process yeah hmm. um well if anybody's listening to this and you have a better solution, please yeah. message me. 
help us. Um, Cool. Uh, So I wanted to close with um, one final thing. Um, Another question I like to ask is just what, what's a movie or a book or anything that you've experienced lately that you, that got you excited or inspired you. Um, And I noticed on your website, there's a book called in the light of the truth. So, and that's, I think you list it as my inspiration or something right, to that effect. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, it, so, it, so it that is answers for sure. the question, but I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, um, and I did click on the link and um, um, seems very interesting, seems very philosophical. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll let you talk about it. Sure. Yeah, the book is called In the Light of Truth, The Grail Message. Um, and yeah, like you said, there's a link on my website to grailmessage.com. Um, I stumbled across this book, uh, I think back in 2002, you know, while I was uh, still in college and, uh, it's, uh, it's been my inspiration ever since I, I tend to read a little bit, uh, every morning, but, um, you know, not a day goes by where it, it doesn't, uh, help me in some way. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I think like, like many of us, um, over the years, uh, basically in, in almost every art class I've, I've ever had over the years, um, uh, except for Marvel, just to be able to, you know, be allowed to pursue what I was trying to pursue, which was, um, you know, to paint <laughs> realistically, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then in art school, you know, there, we would, you know, with teachers and with students, you know, we would have long conversations about, you know, what, uh, what makes one painting better or worse than another painting. And, you know, what's, is it even possible to say that one painting is better than another painting? And, you know, someone always says that, uh, art is just completely subjective. And, uh, but if, you know, you carry that further, if art is all subjective, then, um, then, Thing would would be subjective, and you know, uh, ultimately, you know, there would be right. no such thing as as right and wrong. And I was always convinced, you know, more part of me that there must be mm-hmm. uh, an objective truth behind, you know, the reality that we find ourselves in. And um, uh, basically, long story short, is this book uh, truly answered every question that that I've ever had about you know, the meaning uh, of of life and the purpose of of art. And wow. it's, it's been a constant, uh, companion, uh, ever since I found it. Um, that's really cool. So are there, um, are there like passages? Um, it sounds, uh, maybe not, not necessarily in substance, but maybe in style, like, um, I've heard people talk about, uh, like the stoic philosophers and, and they have these sort of daily meditations, um, is it that kind of a thing? The, like what you're like, could you read like a, a certain, um, short passage on, uh, let's say the importance of waking up early or something like that? Like, like, is it laid out like that or? No, not, not, not so, uh, uh, overtly, I guess. I'm not sure. No, it's, it's not really made up of, you know, chunks like that that you can so straightforwardly uh, uh, pick out. 
but right. um, but it is it is made up of uh, um, of a series of lectures. So you know you oh, can okay. I, I can read a, a lecture in the morning, and that that gives me you know quite a bit to chew on uh, for the rest of the day. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my um, my greatest influence is, is Ayn Rand and her philosophy of objectivism. Mm. And I don't know how, how I would imagine there's, uh, you know, probably quite a bit of a departure between these two, um, philosophies. Uh, but what one area you just mentioned, you know, the, the idea of an objective truth and an objective reality, uh, that's mm -hmm. definitely a crossover area. So that's, that's interesting. Um, and I totally agree with you in the fact that art uh, is objective. Um, that doesn't account for people's taste, but um, sure, it's sure, objective in the sense that um, you know, using certain criteria, you can judge things as good or bad, or better, you know, or good and better and and best. Um, right, right. And and I you know I'm I'm certainly not trying to discount subjectivity or or to say that I know you know uh, what which paintings are good and bad or you know what what right and wrong is but just uh, the 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 point for me and uh, you know the the revelation was just that truth exists essentially oh absolutely yeah 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 I think. Um truth exists and that we can uh know reality and um and uh uh you know discover new things and build on that um i think you know truth exists that's a that's a <laughs> uh, you know that's a controversial idea today uh, strangely enough but um yeah well, it seems we like in... such a simple thing but it's uh, apparently um Apparently not yeah. so simple and, and, uh, and actually profound. No, we live in turbulent times for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> Joseph, like, that sounds like a great uh, note to end on. Um, thank you so much. It's been, it's been really fun talking. And um, is there anything else that you would uh, like to tell the listeners while you're, while we're here? Yeah. Um. Oh, I can I can plug a, a show that I have coming up actually. Um, cool. I yeah, I'll have a solo show that opens on uh, June second, the first Friday in June, at Anthony Brunelli Fine Arts in Binghamton. Oh, awesome. So yeah. In Binghamton. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, otherwise, um, no, just thank you so much. Uh, it's really been a pleasure, and uh, I was honored to be invited. And uh, keep up the great work. I, I really enjoy your podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's it's been an honor for me. I, I just I've become a, a real fan of your work. It's just so it's so good. So, um, okay, thanks, man. Great. Yeah. Thanks, and best wishes. All right. Same to you. Okay, thanks again to Joseph Daly for a great conversation. Check out his website, jqdaily.com, and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. And thanks to our sponsor, FACE, the figurative art convention and expo being held in Miami at the Biltmore Hotel this November. Seating is limited. To learn more, go to figurativeartconvention.com. 
And if you're in the Austin, Texas area, come out, come on out to see work by the artists I've interviewed on this podcast. Scott Waddell, Todd Casey, Danny Furland, Abby Ryan, Hollis Dunlap, Brian Larson, Gabriella Deloso, Andrew Amaral, Joseph Daly, Graydon Parrish, and me. That is happening at the Georgetown Arts Center in Georgetown, Texas, just north of Austin. The opening reception is Saturday, June 10th at 7 p.m., so come on out, say hi, and see some fantastic artwork. And as always, you can support the show by leaving comments and a super high rating on iTunes. You can also leave comments on my website and email me at Danny at dannygrantfineart.com. And thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next time. The only two things in life that make it worth living Is guitars that tune good and firm, feeling women I don't need my name in the marquee lights I got my song and I got you with me tonight Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. Let's go to Luke and Buck, Texas, with Waylon and Willie and the boys. This successful life we're living got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys. Between Hank Williams' pain songs and Newberry's train songs and blue eyes crying in the rain Out in Lukenbach, Texas, ain't nobody feeling no pain 